0: I'm
1: from Australia. The land down under I am from Brazil.
0: Hi guys. I'm from South Africa.
1: Tell me something. What would you say if you knew the world was listening? My boss and his wife are terrible people. I mean I love my man and all, don't get me wrong, but dude is worthless. Get back in the loop on What's the Word, the international show of word of mouth. You can find us by keying in What's the Word at Acorn Studio. I do love it. It has become crazy, it's become huge. I don't think anyone could have thought that it would become like this, but I do, I love it. I live for it. It's like everything rolled into one, and the next one will be the biggest one yet. Expect the unexpected.
0: listening to Blethered. I'm Sean McDonald and my guest is Sky Sports and TalkSport presenter Jim White. Jim talks about his career from gaining invaluable experience in local newsrooms through to where he is today. We talk about dealing with big names from Sir Alex Ferguson to Paul McCartney, exclusive stories and what it's like to be in the midst of it all. Jim also talks honestly about his relationship with alcohol and why he chose to remove it from his life with the inclusion of some good advice for anyone who's walking a fine line between enjoying a drink and losing control. If you've been affected by issues connected to alcohol and you want to chat more about it, you can join in in the conversation on Flick Chat, the free app where listeners are talking about issues raised across all episodes of Bletherd. You can find the link to join in the episode notes. Quick point, I had a terrible throat when we recorded this and I struggled to get any power in my voice at all, so apologies for sounding quite flat throughout the interview. That aside, if you enjoy this episode, please feel free to share it. Cheers. So coming live from what floor are we on? The 20th floor of the South Bank Tower?
1: We are on the 10th floor of uh, South Bank Tower.
0: And Private cinema, I mean, may as well just tell the truth here. So, uh, this, yeah. is, this is unbelievable. Some views across London as well.
1: It's not bad. South Bank Tower it used to be, um, I think it was office premises and now a whole bunch of uh, exclusive apartments. And um, I mean, you, you, you just look at it, Sean, and you think, yeah, this is where to live. You know, it's wonderful. I used to live on the 19th floor and it's got an incredible view of London. Uh, and because of our relationship with uh, the concierge Hugo, who's a wonderful Colombian man. Uh, we come back here regularly and we get access to the, the private cinema. Uh, we get access to a private uh, pool, steam room sauna down on the ground floor because I just live yards from here.
0: This is a uh, long way from STV at Cow Carden's, isn't it?
1: It's a long way from Cow Carden's, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> when, when you dive in the pool on the ground floor there... <coughs> And you're in there with some billionaire Russian. uh, (laughs) You think, aye, where's where's Hope Street? Where's 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 Redfield
0: Street? Where where did it all go wrong? Well, in case anybody's not clicked, we're sitting with Scottish Sport and Media Royalty, Jim White. Jim, thanks very much for taking the time, first of all. It's a pleasure. Uh, Not keep you too long, but... No, it's good. ...quite a few things to chat about. I suppose, first of all, I'd like to hear just about early life. Grew up in Jordan Hill.
1: Yeah, Uh, I grew up in Jordan Hill. Um, My sister went to Jordan Hill school... Um, I was at Broomhill Primary, uh, down in Crow Road there. Uh, Then I went to Kelvinside Academy, um, managed to get in there, played rugby, not football. Um, And then at the end of all that, I mean, my mum and dad uh, were were fantastic to us. My sister came south at an early age. I uh, decided, for various reasons, best known to myself, that I was going to try and become a journalist. (laughs) So I went to Napier College in Edinburgh and did this, uh, they called it a pre-entry journalism diploma. And it took a year. I mean, I think these days, Sean, it takes like three years. God only knows what they talk about in three years. Uh, It would drive me mad that. So I did a year, uh, got out the other end of it, and then uh, started working in weekly newspapers and so on.
0: Was it Johnston that you first started working? Was it covering St Mirren?
1: Yeah. uh, I went to the Johnston Advertiser, uh, worked there, St Mirren. Uh, Jim Clooney was the manager. Um, Sir Alex
0: must have been around at that time as well. Sir period.
1: Alex was around at that time. I met him uh, for the first time at the uh, St Mirren training ground, and uh, as usual, well, we're going to do <laughs> Hold
0: something. On, that's been a wee bit kind, is it? No, is it not just the a public ground. park? Yeah, it was a public park. <laughs> uh,
1: and it, I, I remember saying to him, "I'm not going to keep you. I'm just going to uh, chat to you briefly about the game coming up." And I always remember Sir Alex Ferguson looking at me and saying, "You're right. You're not going to keep me. Uh, <laughs> get on with it." Uh, And that then spawned a relationship of about, oh, I don't know, 35 years.
0: Did they always look after you in terms of, did they remember you and then give you wee bits or give you bits of time?
1: What, since then? Uh Uh-huh.
0: I mean, obviously now it'll be different, but let's just say further a wee bit down the line when you were at, say, Sport or even down south.
1: Yeah, when I was at at Scottish TV, the next time I actually encountered him uh, was in Mexico uh, at the World Cup the finals in 1986. And of course, you know the background to that. Uh, Tragically, Jockstein had died Mm. uh, and uh, insteped Sir Alex and Walter Smith. And um, So I was out there and I met him out there. Didn't have much to do with him then. It's really more when I went to Sky and I was more in England. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Our paths paths have crossed quite a bit. They've crossed quite a bit since he retired and I've done the odd uh, question and answer session at various functions with Mm -hmm. him. But he's still... I find him like nobody else. He's still one of the most amazing, interesting, intriguing characters I've ever come across uh, in football. Absolutely. I've
0: got his... So I've listened to... I've read his autobiography, then I bought it an audiobook. But I've listened to his one-way, Sir Michael Moritz, leading. Yeah. I've listened to that about three or four times, and it's unbelievable. I mean, if he, I feel like if he had gone into... Been a representative of the unions at the shipyards, or if he was leading managing shipyards or big business or whatever it would have been, they would have been successful because it seems to be these key principles that he's learned
1: very much. And is that he never strays from them?
0: No, I know, you
1: know, he keeps them to this day.
0: He's the first first guy there. He's even got this fascination with like old American Civil War leaders or like those kind of things. So he's obviously just this analytical, intelligent mind. But I think anything he would have done, he would have. um, he would have totally thrived.
1: I found him fascinating, Sean. He invited me, while I was still manager, obviously, to Carrington. Uh, I'd bumped into him at Loftus Road, uh, Queen's Park Rangers were playing Man U, and I was talking to him afterwards, and we agreed that I would come up to the training ground and have a look around. And uh, my partner, Katie, who you've just met, she and I went up there, and it was one of the best days I've ever had uh, Mm. in my career. No camera, no nothing. Just our memories of that day. And everything seemed to happen that day. I mean, Pogba was out in the training ground, and that was first time around. Right, OK. And he, he was about, Sir Alex was about to meet Mino Raiola. Uh, and he said, uh, listen, it's been great today seeing you, but I better go and see this guy's agent.
0: He's not a fan uh, of him, and, is he?
1: And no, and it was, he described the relationship as oil and water. <laughs> uh, and Pogba was there and Renny Mullenstein took the training session and watching Rooney and Scholes and people like that close right. up was just fantastic Unreal. and as you rightly say before it we were talking about you know John F. Kennedy and the American War of Independence and a whole bunch of other things and Govan and the shipyards it, it was fascinating it was a great day I'm forever indebted to him for that
0: Kevin Bridges t- tells a story when he was down which kind of gives an insight into the way his mind works he was down I think he was performing at some charity thing at Old Trafford anyway yeah. and his dad he introduced his dad to Sir Alex and the first thing his dad said was see you you went right through Bobby Murdoch at Ibrooks in, like <laughs> in the 60s <laughs> and he ended up talking about junior football for yeah. the early 60s and Sir Alex was able to name the start eleven. the living and yeah. like just this frightening level of encyclopedic mind
1: amazing I mean name retention <coughs> name retention is incredible he never right. forgets uh, we were talking, I think I mentioned that my, my sisters have just told you, was at Jordan Hill. And we were talking about people that had come through Jordan Hill College and they'd gone into various areas of, of life. Like Roy Small was someone to, to do with physical education. He knew Roy mm-hmm. Small. And we were talking about people that we mutually knew. Uh, incredible. He doesn't forget. His, his eye for details amazing.
0: Uh, and speaking of influential people or people that have kind of made an impact in you in your early career... So you, in turn, I'm trying to sort of get chronologically what you did. So yeah. you, 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 at the newspaper, is that when you then kind of went to STV?
1: I was, yeah, I worked in these weekly newspapers. I worked in the Johnson Advertiser, I worked in the East Cobride News. For any young aspiring journalist who wants mm. to uh, make their way in journalism, that to me was and still is the best way to do it. Go in there, work in a, a newsroom and, mm-hmm. and see how they operate Aye. and get stories. You know, like I was doing court stories, I was I was chasing fire engines, uh all we, that kind of thing, real grounding in the You in the
0: also business. you also did something that I shared on Twitter and I want to ask you about this because I said when I have sleep paralysis this is the frightening thing that I see in the uh, in the corner of the room. Do you know what I'm talking about if I say you're at a wedding exhibition? Oh yeah it was the guy it was the English guy you were speaking to that really creeped me out but what I find confusing is that was what the 80s you look younger now than you did at well, that I point
1: used to, I used to have a horrendous mullet Sean that no one I'll really share, I'll me, share but...
0: that clip for anybody so. oh yeah <laughs> I mean that went
1: viral somebody was showing me the other day and I i was at a wedding fair and we decided that when i was at scottish tv it was a news report and we decided that it would be a great wheeze if i dressed up as a groom and there was this (laughs) other model who was obviously the bride and i looked very suspicious at the end doing some piece to camera and the payoff was a (laughs) wink to camera for which now if i tried it now i think i'd be arrested (laughs) it just looked extremely sleazy massively inappropriate but, um, different times aye different times I, I laugh at it still
0: and was that at that point you started to make the crossover because you did speak to a lot of music people sort of show busy stuff you were doing weren't you
1: yeah I used to I used to love all that I used to attempt to interview people as and when I could mm. um, and I, I I, I would I would give everything in in the build up to try and get the person in front of camera, and then by and large I would make a balls of the interview, and I was I was totally reliant on the person I was interviewing helping me out. I mean, at Scottish TV. I did a bit of the entertainment reporting, if you would call it. I knew Billy Sloan uh, at the record.
0: did a, a show with Billy Sloan recently. Fantastic. It was recorded. Guy. He's very interesting. It was at the Barrowland. I can't say guy. too much about the thing because it's not out well, yet. Well, that
1: would be great. He and I share a lot of mutual friends.
0: Uh, he was He was interesting. and It was basically me interviewing him about the barrelland And I could... It was like putting 50p in him and away he went. Just yeah. saying, like, tell me about what do you think... What do you remember about here?" him are in the dressing room? And he's like... Oh, I remember sitting over there with Bowie. Yeah. And I sat there with Liam and Noel, and it was, he was excellent.
1: Well, I've seen him in action. Um, uh, on one <coughs> occasion, uh, David Bowie, the wonderful David Bowie, uh, was uh, playing Murrayfield in Edinburgh. And he would give two interviews before before he went on stage. One was to Billy hmm. and the Daily Record, and one was to Scottish TV and me. Right. And uh, the bold man came out, Bowie came out in a powder blue suit. China girl was all the age at, at that stage. And he was phenomenal. Uh, I'll never forget it. Different coloured eyes. Close up looking at Bowie. He's looking at me. We're talking to each other. I couldn't believe it. I, I had a habit of being overawed by people and then not getting out the questions that I wanted to get out. Mm. And I, I think experience only teaches you never miss the opportunity. If it's on your mind, ask it. Yeah. And ask a question. Don't make a statement. Because it's too easy for them to agree. Uh-huh. Um, so on, at times like that if I could live my life again I would love to interview these people again and do it maybe slightly differently maybe a bit more penetrating type questions but I mean Bowie was absolutely uh-huh. wonderful to me
0: I suppose that's how you learn learning it <laughs> through that experience and then realising so over time you, you get better
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, Wings, Paul McCartney and Wings were in town and I managed to get onto their road manager and I managed somehow I managed to get McCartney and Linda McCartney, Denny Lane and Wings into Scottish TV. (laughs) No way. I got them in. They brought the fucking place to a standstill. I was going to
0: say, it must have just walked stopped.
1: Nobody could believe that McCartney was in the building. (laughs) And the very fact that he was in the building brought the place to a standstill. Everybody came to see him and they crowded out the studio. Aye. It was amazing, and I'll never forget Saint McCartney. I-, I will never forget your kindness coming in and doing this. And do you find I it... remember Linda looking at me saying, "That's what he's like."
0: Uh, do you find that the the proper biggest names are the ones that get the ones that get the most time for you? Are the ones that would be the nicest?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I was always I was always taken by anybody who go the extra yard. Like the Rolling Stones played at, at the Apollo. Uh, in Glasgow, and I was in the little lane outside. We're doing a story on ticket touts, and uh, we're trying to film people in the lane because Stones tickets were changing hands. Mm. Six and a half quid. Would you believe was a ticket to see the Stones then? For God's sake! In the, in the Apollo. I've seen people talking about going to see Queen. Yeah,
0: three pound a ticket, and no, all that place absolutely rocking.
1: Amazing. And um, this this car comes round the corner. Out steps Mick and uh, Jerry Hall, who who he was with at that stage. And I tried this unsuccessful question and answer. He breezed right by me, straight in. Then the next thing, somebody from behind the scenes of The Stones came out and said, look, he didn't want to do it out here, but if you want to come in, he'll meet you. And the cameraman and I went up. can't remember the cameraman's name if he's listening, I'm sorry. And uh, out came Jagger. And he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and things like that you never forget. And I used to shovel that towards STV mm-hmm. all the time. Get it on Scotland today, get it out on air, that kind of stuff just tried to show that I could try and get the impossible as and when I, I I would.
0: What did that then lead on to? So the question I actually went to ask at the sort of early point then, um, way back before we kind of started talking about all that and working at STV was yeah. who were the, the main influences or guiding forces when you were kind of starting out? Like, who did you look up to in terms of uh, style or the way you would apply yourself? Um,
1: at, at STV?
0: I suppose in general, just across general, the board, I
1: There were always some good people. I remember... Uh, at the Hamilton Advertiser, there was a guy called Bill Collins who was the chief reporter of the Hamilton Advertiser, and he used to go after stories. and He would say, "Never be afraid to tackle anything." You know, always go there was a guy Ron Harris who I used to like as well. God, when I think back, Sean, these people I've often wondered whatever became of them. Um, they they were very good because they were they were structured, they were keen. It's all about keenness, you mm. know, and that used to rub off on me enthusiasm when I went into the STV newsroom. Uh, there were a bunch of people there. there was a guy Paul Murrikin. Uh, I think he and his brother had a went on to have a, a company of their own. Uh, I used to like working with him. There's a guy Dermot MacQuarie, who uh, many people will remember up in Scotland. His father was the late Sir Albert MacQuarie, who was an MP. And Dermot was somebody who was a real go-getter. These mm. people were great. I I used to love watching them. It was when I got into sport I would start looking at people and thinking. I want to do that. Hmm. I want to try and do that. Arthur Montford wasn't was, in Jer- was the main presenter at Scott Sport, and uh, is that Alan who you Taylor took over was... from? Yeah, I took over from right. him, and uh, <coughs> it was always "Hello, good afternoon, and welcome" you know, from Aye. Arthur. And I thought if I ever get on that show, I'll try and give it the the kind of the kind of qualities that I've managed to try to bring to the ah. table: urgency, pace, uh, don't take no for an answer, yeah. go after people. So I would I would then. Contribute to Scotsport, but in a different way. But uh, people in the Scottish TV newsroom were, were, were all very different, all very varied, and I used to have such a good laugh. The late John Toy, oh my God, he was incredible. You, you're too young to remember. No, there's nothing about me. John Toy really loved a drink, and uh, you know it was hit or miss whether John would make the going on air time at <laughs> six o'clock. Oh dear. Uh, But he was an absolute national hero. I uh-huh. mean, it, it was incredible. And th- there and then, I realised everything is true about this industry. They work hard, but they play hard, nah. and they love a piss up.
0: That's uh, I kind of went to go and kind of in, in the vein of two questions, but I'll go with the first one. Mm. Were you saying about realizing that you could offer something specific, and you can go and do the impossible and all that? Yeah. Did a lot of that come from cultivating personal relationships with people and them doing you wee turns? Yeah, like cause I like the story about Ray Wilkins when you missed him. When he yeah. came out Glasgow, so he went and recreated the shop for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I missed him at the airport.
0: So there's got to be a level of, it's also your application, but also how you deal with people. Because if people think you're an arsehole, they're not going to give you anything.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's always pinpointing people and thinking, how can I get close to him? Or if I meet him or her, will she lead me to him? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And I always used to do that. Um, and of course at that time when I got into sports so I disappeared from like the, the, the news coverage of things I disappeared from the entertainment side of things because yeah. I wanted really to have a go at getting into football you know, um, I, was, I was keen to do that and uh, uh, working in Scotland today I used to work in Scotland today and do sports bulletins in Scotland today and that was great, like a 10 minute sports slot about whatever the story of the day was that day yeah. and pursuing people <laughs> Is your mattress making noises it never used to? Or is it sagging, causing you to... Then it's time to get a new one. Get the best sleep at the best value with a Nectar mattress. Prices start at just $499, and you get
0: $399 in accessories thrown in, a 365-night home trial, and a
1: forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. And, of course, one of the most significant times. I went out, I did a, I did a half-hour documentary on Souness when he played for Sampdoria in Genoa. Yeah. And his career at Liverpool had come to an end, so he was off to, to uh, Italy. And that proved to be pivotal for me because I'm still very friendly with Souness to this day. And, of course, we know what happened after that, uh, you know, in his time at Rangers. But I was out in, in, in Genoa, and this, you, I mean, you'll love this. This was the days of union rules at... Uh, Scottish TV, so I had a cameraman, assistant cameraman, producer, uh, electrician, <laughs> sound recordist, stagehand, I mean everybody came off a minibus, and <laughs> Souness was like, what the hell are they all going to do, uh, but it was amazing and I loved that, and I did a half hour documentary on Graham Soonis, which they actually got for some reason another guy to do the voice over for, which I've never really forgiven Scottish TV for. Uh, I don't think they thought my voice was good enough, but they knew I could get ah. Um And Trevor Francis was playing for Sampdoria then. Uh, we could film in the coach going to a match. They were playing a European tie in Genoa that night. They were playing Benfica. I always remember it. Sooners said, "You want to film them behind me?" And it, just a couple of lads with crazy hair in Sampdoria blazers. He said they'll both be big. One was Mancini, the other was Viali.
0: <laughs> no way! Did you sit and chat to them? Were they able to speak? Yeah, today? they
1: were really nice. They did, they they didn't have English, but uh-huh. they, they they were great. And they they were giving us a thumbs up on camera. Soonest was fantastic. Let us in his home, uh, out there in a place called Nervy, and it was wonderful. And I loved it. And I forged a really good relationship with him, and um, all those things came into play. And at Mexico in '86, I saw him at the World Cup. Uh, I don't think he and Sir Alex particularly had a great relationship then, but uh, you know, I, I I would get to know a lot of the players. Mm-hmm. I knew Doug Right. No. and it would knowing these people would help much further down the line, even now.
0: And would, would there be, like, an element of trust, that they would be able to trust you with some things, let's say, if they told you something and said, but that's off the record, do you then stick to that and it just yeah, creates or maintains well, that bond? Uh,
1: hmm. Well, uh, distinctly, I remember a Friday, and uh, I'd phoned soonest because it was... I didn't have a mobile phone then. And I had his house number in, in Genoa, and I called him, and... um if, I'd, again, if I had, again, if had my time again, I would have done it differently. But I wasn't experienced enough to know how to handle information like this. And he says to me, I'll be coming over soon. In fact, I'm coming over at the beginning of next week. You know, you want to make sure you're around. And this was on the Friday. I said, why is that? Well, my time's going to be up soon in Italy. I said, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm coming back. I said, where? He said, well, don't, don't go crazy about it at the moment. Keep it to yourself, but I'm, I'm going to be player manager at Rangers. <sighs> I was like, you are kidding me. And Jock Wallace still had the job. So, of course, I didn't know what to do. But at the start of the week, I knew I couldn't sit in it. Hmm. And we had to go with it. So I went out to Glasgow Airport. I knew the flight it was coming in on, via London, of course. And, uh, and there he was, filmed his arrival. Uh, and then it went out. Various people had it as well. I think Ken Gallagher, who was still alive for the Daily Record, great reporter, he was on it as well because he showed up at the airport. So people, there were rumblings of it, mm-hmm. but we got those shots of soon yeah, as soon as And the, there he was, and we I could out the story, I could get it out there.
0: That was obviously like a pivotal moment or like a real turning point in Scottish football because yeah. the, the balance of power totally shifted over to Rangers. Totally
1: shifted. I mean, it was unbelievable. David Holmes was then uh, chairman, and that led to Holmes relying on Sooners to change the entire culture of the club Mm. and bring in whoever he wanted.
0: Did you know there's a whole thing about David Murray being very intelligent or clever with the press, keeping you on side, giving you stories, and keeping everybody happy? And it goes on to sort of suit and benefit everybody. Yeah. Was, did Soonis have a, a, an element of that? Because obviously you have starting to become aware of how powerful the media could be. Mm. You know, would he f- I don't want to say feed you stuff because it sounds a bit sinister, but do you know yeah, what I mean no, by he, that?
1: He knew what he was doing. Ah, yeah, uh, he, he, he knew how to operate with the media. He was, just, he was a very, very um, capable individual. He would help me a lot. He would give me stories. Uh, he, would, he would give me tip-offs <coughs> about certain people who would be on their way. Um, invariably if a player arrived they would be shipped out like you and I were talking about Wilkins there mm. they were shipped out from Glasgow Airport straight to uh, Ibrooks and um, everything would start happening after that I think Graham gave me the first ever interview with Mark Walters uh, who arrived up from Villa and was their, their, their first black player and uh, Walters went on to suffer a, a, a dreadful amount of racial abuse when he was in Scotland mm, I remember right. at Tyne Castle you know, bananas on the pitch and all that kind of thing um, but Mark Walters was wonderful And as uh, soon as he gave me access To people like that He would help me mm-hmm. I probably wasn't the only one But certainly in television I was And um, it, it, it would it would really, really help my career I know that I'm always indebted to him for it. And it But it gave me this sense of You have to push To get something different To get something special You've got to go the extra yard wow. And the big special one was when everybody thought that Morris Johnston was coming back to Celtic, he ended up going to Rangers. And that changed everything.
0: I'm trying to, like, because that was before I was born... And although I completely, Thanks, Sean.
1: I, I, I completely get oh, my throat, sorry. That was that was an amazing time well, in I, Scotland.
0: See, I completely get the severity of it and it actually as a Celtic supporter, it makes me feel physically ill seeing on with Billy McNeil and then the next day yeah. and you can as you look at it and you go, you uh, you kinda look at it and think, right, that, that happened. But I'm just trying to imagine waking up as a Celtic fan and thinking Johnston is signed for Celtic <laughs> yeah. and he would bless himself when he scored for Celtic so like mm. right, this guy's died in the will green and white and he's being paraded at Ibrox I mean would it be like Aidan McGeady going away to Russia and then coming back being paraded with Gordon Strachan but no in fact I'm sorry Neil Lennon yeah. uh, and then in fact he's, he's, he's standing with Do you know what
1: mate it, it wouldn't be because it wasn't comparable and still isn't comparable to anything um, I had gone out to Celtic Park and I always remember the time Mo had come over with uh, his his girlfriend or wife at the time and uh, maybe still is but of course he was at Nantes mm-hmm. in France, no one had yeah. ever heard of Nantes yeah. we didn't know much about Nantes in France so we would left Celtic and gone out there and I always remember at that time Celtic lost four players, key players at the same time Johnson was one, Murder McLeod was another went to Dortmund Alan McAnally was another and Brian McLear was another mm. So there were four big names that went yep. at the same time. So Mo goes to none. Mo comes back. Is paraded at Celtic Park by Billy. But the story goes that he hadn't put pen to paper. Yeah.
0: I think Billy had said, we'll sort that out in the next day. Right. Because where else is Logically, where else is he going? There's, yeah. there's nowhere better than Celtic. Rangers don't... They're just not in the equation. No. It's just...
1: It was an incredible story. And then, in this most unbelievable turn of events, the next thing... He's going to Rangers. Soonest and the then chief executive, Alan Montgomery, who used to work at Scottish TV, had gone to Paris, met jo- uh, met Johnson, met Bill McMurdo, his agent, and uh, convinced him that, no, don't go there. Come here. And if you're brave enough, we're brave enough, and we'll back you. We all take the big risk together, but <laughs> you will come and be a Rangers player. To me, it was Phenomenal.
0: What What was his life like day to day? He must have been getting abused and spat at. And
1: no, oh. I think. I mean, you need to ask him what he remembers of it, but I think I think he chose. It. Graham lived in Edinburgh. I-, I think Mo chose to 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 live through there as well. Mm. So they're out of it. Scott Brown's always lived through aye, there. Aye. You know, certain players do themselves a big favor by not living in Glasgow. Uh, and you know, when you think of it, it doesn't take Einstein to realize that maybe the good thing they should do for themselves is not live in Glasgow. Aye. So they lived through there. They were, they were away from. They were shielded from it to a large extent. Mm. I personally thought it was wonderful. It was it was brilliant. Because on one hand you had Celtic the sensible Celtic fans were like, well, we'll still beat them mm. even although they've got Johnston. Right. Uh, 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 the, the real die hard crazy <coughs> the crazy ones were, were never going to forgive them. All mm-hmm. right, we get that. Then on the other side of the divide, you had Rangers people outside Ibrox going, we'll we'll never ever take to this. Aye. And uh, there was a bit of scarves burning and all that. I looked at them. I mean, I took the bit between the teeth and I was doing vox pops with them. I said, "Well, you're going to have to. You have to get on with it Aye. because, and in all honesty, you, you've got one of the best strikers in the world. So you want to start celebrating that fact. But they weren't having it, and pathetically they weren't having it. It was a fabulous story. Johnson was so brave doing it, and to this day I still commend him for doing it. Mm. And you know something, Sean? Soon as said to me, we're all outside Ibrooks on the day that Johnson was signing. And he said, there are going to be no one to one interviews. So they're all at the top table in the the blue room and uh, questions and answers, questions and answers. But thereafter, I went down to the dressing room with a cameraman and sooner said, I'll give you five minutes with him.
0: <laughs> Brilliant.
1: And that gave me five minutes. And I always remember, for anybody that wants to hear this, you'll love this, in the middle of the interview, and I'm thinking, I've got Morris Johnson talking here. I've got the story. I've got the interview. I've got Morris Johnson in a one-to-one. John Brown came through and totally wrecked it by singing... Uh, a fairly well-known song yeah, think, that Rangers aye. fans all used to say. But it gave it this, this, this great ingredient of humour yeah,
0: yeah, that we yeah. all
1: needed at that stage aye. to lift the intensity of the aye. moment. But it was wonderful. And thereafter, Johnson had to turn out in a Rangers shirt very shortly after that at Celtic Park. And they were ready for him. I would
0: love to sit down and chat with him for him, to be honest. I'd love to know who he'd back, like if Celtic Rangers were playing. Does he have an allegiance? Does he care? No, I don't think so. Not
1: now. It's all done. It's all past him. Mm. He's, he's moved on. He's he of went, America, he went isn't he to, I went out to Kansas many years later when he played for Kansas City Wizard and did an interview with him. It's like, that was then, this is now. Yeah, Any yeah. regrets? None. That's what you love about Mo Johnson. Je ne regret rien. And I, okay. I totally, totally love him for that because he did it. I tell you what, though, he bottled it in, the, in that game at Celtic Park. He was cleaned through on a couple of his occasions and uh, he, he blasted them wide. The occasion, the, the intensity of the occasion got to him. But then when he settled more, mm-hmm. he showed what he started could do in, scoring. in a Rangers shirt and he started scoring.
0: Just towards rounding up, uh, another thing I'd like to touch on, you said uh, mm-hmm. that in the sort of glory days of journalism, people were really playing up to that stereotype in terms of work hard but play hard in the pub and all that. Did you get right in amongst that?
1: Oh, yeah. Too much.
0: Aye. It led to you chucking, chucking booze in, 10 yeah. years ago?
1: Well, man much, much, much further down the line, unfortunately. I mean, uh, by and large, I had this ridiculous uh, theory that if ever I got a big story or if ever I got a decent interview, I'd always celebrate by going in the piss, mm. which was not great, and I kept on doing that. And then when I was at the World Cup in 1998... Sky came in for me. Uh, So that was that. I was going to leave Scotland. That was, for whatever reason, a decent story in itself. And Mm. I was going to join Sky. And, um, you know, I'd celebrate that by going to Bevy. Uh, I I then came down to to London. Would still be drinking a fair bit. Because I still had the same ethos that you've got to go after people to get big stories mm. and uh, if that meant spending a lot of time in a pub talking to people then i'm your man i would do it yeah. uh, i'd be celebrating with my cameraman i'd be talking to whoever it was uh, i was going to try an interview do you want to take a drink do you want to go for a meal let's have a bottle of wine let's have another and i it, the shot the tall of it was sean it took me a while to realize it but i'd, I'd done a lot of damage to my personal life and relationships within it mm. uh, for which i'm eternally sorry you live and learn you move on somebody once told me nothing changes if nothing changes so I made the change about eight nine years ago it's getting on nine years and I decided that's it I'm reining it in all mm. together never again will I have a drink
0: do you feel happier yeah because yeah, yeah. where are you happy at the time because obviously it's a lot of fun getting out on the piss especially in a place like London yeah it's it's amazing isn't it totally uh, but, yeah. it, it, but it does kind of catch up it kind of did you feel as if your brain was, like, foggy? That's how I get if I drink too much. Oh, yeah. It's like my brain's in knots and I, can't, I don't have any clarity. I can't yeah. act upon anything.
1: Well, I had people like my then boss, Andy Melvin, at Sky, were saying, you're drinking too much. I hmm. remember having a conversation with Sooners, who I met. We were doing a game together, and he said, listen, just a little word of advice. A little bird's told me you're drinking too much. And he, he looked at me and he said... If it takes a friend to tell you, then hopefully it will make a difference. Mm. So obviously it was being publicly seen Uh that I I was overdoing it. Uh, And of course the last person to know was me. I used to love it. (laughs) I used to think it was brilliant. Hilarious. Look at me. Out in the piss again. But it's silly. For anybody out there that, that maybe does have a problem and you are considering trying to rein it in or stop altogether, stop altogether. Because, how, believe me, the rewards are fantastic. How did
0: you do it? Was it easy for you just to chuck it, or did you...?
1: Um, I did it virtually overnight. I decided uh, that I wasn't going to have another relationship that would be affected by it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to put the next person through it, as I had done in the past. I, I didn't want my job to be affected either, uh. and it was beginning to be affected. So there was there was a whole bunch of component parts that made it quite clear to me, I've got to stop doing this. So I just stopped it, Sean. Mm. Um to this day, I have never, ever had a, a glass of wine, glass of champagne, even a gulp of anything alcoholic. Uh. And I decided that is a way for me. And people will say to start with, it's boring, you go into a pub. Well, do you know what? Not really. And if, it, if you do feel you know, unsettled, uneasy in a pub, don't go into the pub. Mm-hmm. Don't go into the pub. Uh. I now look at pubs and I see people at night buying rounds I think poor bastards Aye. thank Speci- god that's not me
0: especially London prices by the way especially London I prices I have a heart attack every yeah. time I go to the bar
1: I mean <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly I mean it, t- it costs a fortune to get Aye. pissed Aye. especially if you drank as much as me and um, I, de- I, de- I decided I'm not going back to it Ooh. and I will never go back to it and now in the current regime the way I work A my private life is great but B you know on a typical day like today I was up at half a six this morning mm. i'm on air at talk Sport at 10 you got to know be right across everything that's going on yeah you got to have every contact and operation that you might need while you're on air mm. i'm meeting you this lunchtime we're doing this in half an hour i'll be in a train from central london to sky i do four hours live on sky the first hour which is live on nbc in america and then my working day finishes at nine at night and i do it again tomorrow but i'm sure you wouldn't have it any other way I wouldn't have it any other way, mate, but I couldn't do it if I was on the piss Oh, aye,
0: exactly, aye. I've got a good night out. Are you sure I can attempt to have the joke? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we would have a good night out. Oh, definitely. But it's just that I wouldn't drink.
0: Aye. Well, I'm sure we'll get a night soon uh, at some point. Mate, Jim, thanks very much for this. Really no, appreciate you giving me your time. It's a
1: great pleasure, good questions, good Aye, chat.
0: Plenty more to talk about, so we'll save that for part two, right? For sure. So we're doing this at the cinema, we do the next one up on the 30th floor or something like that over.
1: We will do, mate. <laughs> we can do We can do these kind of chats anywhere, because always remember, we can open any door.
0: Exactly. That's what we we'll do. You just need to put it hard enough. <laughs> Cheers, Jim. <laughs>